Blessings and best wishes. Practice makes purpose. Episode five. Happy to be here, Reggie Hubbard. Uh, I'm going to welcome Christy Trujillo in a minute. Um, but just excited to be here um, in general, and that we're keeping these conversations going. We're going to keep this up for the next several weeks, right? So, um, first week we talked with Chanel Sledge. Second week we talked with uh, Nick D'Alejo from MenCare Now. Third week we talked with Mike Huggins. Um, from the Transformation Yoga Project. Last week, we talked to Brother Danny Fluker, one of the, from Black Boys Own, one of the most delightful, beautiful conversations that I've had in quite some time. And today, we're going to talk with Christy Trujillo about um, the eye and BIPOC. So it's one of the things that uh, no one ever really talks about it, but we're going to talk about Native issues in, in general. We're going to talk about Native issues in the yoga space and how we can bring opportunities um, for deeper conversation about these issues. Christy, welcome. Hi, Reggie. Thank you so much for having me. How are you? Well, I was well happy to have you um, and happy Wednesday to you. And again, thank you for your last minute notice. Uh, no one needs to know the details, but all I can say is that I'm happy to have friends who have friends who are willing to talk about um, And what I want to do is, uh, first of all, just uh, I talked a little bit about um, where we've been and the whole goal of uh, Practice Makes Purpose is to have candid conversations from the heart about issues uh, that we all need to hear about and talk about, right? So we all, better or for worse, the yoga community is whitewashed and uh, skinny and likes to talk about things in the context of love and light um, and pretending that darkness doesn't exist. I ain't got time for that. Um, and so what I want to do, first of all, is have you give a brief introduction of yourself, then we'll talk about your journey, and then we'll just go into some of the things that we talked about before. Yeah. So tell us who you are, and then we'll go from there. Awesome. Thank you so much. Hello, everyone. Uh, my name is Christy Trujillo, and I am from Isleta Pueblo and also uh, Okeo Wingate. Um, I grew up in New Mexico uh, on one of the reservations in New Mexico, you know, Isleta is about 20 minutes south of Albuquerque. And, you know, I come from a land that is, you know, a little unforgiving. Uh, you know, if any of you have ever been to New Mexico, um, it can be very hot. It's the desert. Uh, you know, rain comes through certain seasons. Um, I, my color, my color, uh, you know, color of my skin is the same color as the earth. So that was something that I've really been embracing. Um, and yeah, I grew up living in a house that uh, my, I don't know how long this house has been in my family, but it's like, you know, it, it's old. Um, but, you know, we lived in the reservation right by the plaza. And I grew up thinking I wasn't really different from others until I went away to college. And, you know, kind of with like what you were saying about this, you know, whitewash society we were living in, especially with yoga. Um, you know, I grew up thinking I wasn't necessarily different from others, especially since, you know, New Mexico does have a diverse population. You know, there's a strong native culture there. You have, um, you know, a lot of New Mexican influence, Mexican influence, white, um, not too many black people, to be honest. Uh, I, but I had my eyes really opened when I went away to school. Um, I went to college in Connecticut which is a completely different universe. So right. I think when I, you know, turned 19 is when I fully was like, oh, the world works in a different way than how I was raised. Right. And where'd you go to college? 
Um, I went to Wesleyan uh, in Middletown, Connecticut. I went there for like uh, my freshman, sophomore year and then was like, I don't know if I want to go to school. Um, but then I, you know, took a semester off and then transferred to the University of New Mexico because um, I really missed my family. I really missed, you know, that that collective community that I grew up with, not realizing that's not how everybody grows up. Especially in New England. Like I went to Yale, so I know how New England culture can be. Whew, right. Like if you if you're coming <laughs> family res um, connected community and then you come to New England yeah I mean I my family is from the south and so we say hi to everybody uh, yes. I would be in class with somebody walk down the street the next day and be like hey how are you and then they would act like they didn't see. that was hard for me at first I'm just like yo like first of all like how huh like, why you were you saying hi yeah I grew up very you know I'm a very outgoing person and you know, even when I was younger, um, I've always been interested in different cultures and different people, and I've always been able to make friends easily. Right. And when I was there, I remember thinking, like, why are people so standoffish? Or why are people a little bit more guarded? Why don't you want to be my friend, you know, or just be so open? And right. I think that was something that took me a while to get used to. Yeah, and I understand that. So let's just dive in, right? So like, yeah. Go in. Let's do it. <laughs> Um, what I want to do is, so first of all, like, shout out to Janessa, who's going to be on the show next week. Yeah, uh, Janessa, I love her. Who Thank was, you. <laughs> um, she and I, and you were on the Brave Conversations piece with her. Um, what I want to talk about today is, like, the I and BIPOC, right? Because no one ever talks about it. Like, they talk about Latinx communities. We talk about Black communities. And we talk, but we rarely mention anything that has to do with Indigenous culture. Um, like there are some people now it's kind of involved to be like, I'm on the land of so-and-so um, yeah. over the past couple of years. Like, I'd love to get your thoughts on that just in general. Uh, I personally am just like. What else? <laughs> what? Come on, more, more, more. Yeah. Great, but like, uh, I'll stop there. But so tell me a little bit more about your yoga journey and how you are weaving or seeking to weave like your, your native experience into your yoga teaching and just your yoga lifestyle. Thank you. Um, so I found yoga, like I grew up uh, dancing a lot, you know, I was in jazz, tap, ballet, you know, this is part of that experience my mom wanted to give me. Um, and I feel like for a lot of people, you know, their whatever their parents may have experienced, they want to give their children a better life. So in that respect, I feel like my mom tried to put me in as many extracurricular activities, have me know this other sense of the world aside from, you know, just living on the reservation. And I found yoga initially when I was in college at Wesleyan. There was like a practicum and classes that were being offered. Yeah, I know. And I signed up for the practicum not knowing what I was getting myself into because I was like, oh, there's this whole philosophy. I had it kind of blew me away. Um, I didn't end up finishing that course because it felt a little overwhelming, to be honest. And at that point, when I was 19, this is like, yeah, 1999, um, I felt, oh, I'm flexible. I can do yoga. I can move my body, not realizing the whole breadth of the practice and everything it encompassed. Right. So that was my first experience with yoga. Um, it also helped that uh, the woman who was, you know, teaching all of this had lived in New Mexico and had also, that was somebody that I could connect with and also talk about missing home. And just like, you know, we talk about the sunsets, we talk about the skies. She had also spent a lot of time in Taos and had experience, you know, like some of those native communities there. So, you know, I found that common ground um, but then when I 
moved back to New Mexico, um, one of my really good friends, her sister opened up a hot yoga studio. So it was kind of like, you know, that Bikram craze that was going on. And I just threw myself into that. But really where it fully informed me of how wide this practice is was after my mom passed away. Um, I was 25. Thank you. <laughs> she was um, diagnosed with uh, cancer and it was very fast, like stage four. She was diagnosed in June and she passed away in August, almost two months to the day of her diagnosis. Mm -hmm. And I remember going to yoga as a way to, you know, have a distraction, you know, something to do and also just to keep my mind. But then I realized how that helped me process grief and how it just really helped me deal with my emotions. I'm, um, I feel things really strongly as well. And I'm, you know, pretty intuitive. And that was like, the worst thing that I could have ever imagined happening in my life. And I feel like that's a very defining moment of there was Christy pre that happening and Christy after. And while I'm not necessarily saying I'm thankful that that happened, it did put me on a different trajectory. You know, I can, right. I can be thankful of all of the tools and things my mom taught me that prepared me for where I am now. And I miss her dearly, but I feel like that's where yoga really helped me get into more of this, like getting into my physical body, getting into my mental state, knowing that, you know, even what I'm feeling, it's temporary. And really that idea that things will pass, you know, in the moment it can feel really intense, but it eventually, you know, kind of like what you were talking about, like this light and darkness, you, you need both to be able to fully appreciate your existence because if one is out of balance then you're not really acknowledging you know the other part of it and um i feel like yoga has really come into my life during those times when things have been tough um you know i got divorced when i was 32 and that was a huge deal as well where again i threw myself into a yoga practice twice a day and it just felt like it was this this way to not only cleanse myself, but just really process what I was thinking. And um, it's just been there for me, even if I step away from yoga, even if I don't um, always have, like if I'm not always practicing, um, I feel that it's always there for me. Kind of like you, it, it's, it's a way to return home. And that's one way that I look at yoga as a way to come back to yourself, to come back home and to be reunited with the sense of wholeness that we all carry. And one way that I've been able to access that when I was going through my teacher training, um, I realized that there were a lot of connections between, you know, yamas, niyamas, yogic philosophy, and how I was raised, like things my grandpa would tell me, things, you know, like, yeah, when he would, you know, pray in the mornings or he, you know, when they would go into ceremonies or, you know, when they're doing activities within the Pueblo, it's not just for the people of Isleta, it's for everybody and this whole world. And I remember being a little girl and like my mind being blown, thinking like, wow, he's thinking, they're thinking of everybody, every living being. And I remember like, growing up with that type of mindset and also just, you know, giving thanks in the morning when you wake up, um, you know, that type of gratitude practice. Right. And then also uh, just this acknowledgement that there is something bigger and greater that exists outside of us. And even though that exists outside of us, we are a part of it. So it just creates this interconnectedness. 
And I try, you know, I, I weave that into my teachings, like this idea of even though we're here in this present moment, we take our past experience, we see where we want to go, and together they converge right here, right now. Right. And I like to, you know, teach to that and then also just acknowledging, um, you know, where we've come from. And if we're going to acknowledge where we've come from, you know, I think that's where knowing whose land we're on is really important because if we're in these conversations of being woke and I'm, you know, fighting for, you know, the rights of others and we're thinking about, you know, Black Lives Matter and, you know, giving voices to minority populations, like oftentimes indigenous people, Native Americans are overlooked. We're, you know, oftentimes forgotten, but I feel I'm here to remind people we're still here. We haven't gone anywhere. We've been here since that, you know, the be even from creation stories, like since the beginning of time. And the fact that, you know, the way this country has been founded through history, it's not an accurate, uh, and I don't even want to say it's a story. It's not an, there are no real accurate ways of telling what has happened in a textbook because I feel like then that unpacks a lot of grief and a lot of like acknowledging oh wow we really fucked up and we really treated people poorly and badly and now this is where we are <laughs> right right I love everything that you shared there um I'm gonna pull out a couple things and then, and then we'll go then we'll go forward like I I started practicing yoga to not curse out my boss so similarly I was in a situation where I was under extreme professional stress, like extreme, like I'd be in meetings and they would be like, so why did we hire you? So it was abusive psychological turmoil. And not I'll, a good place to be. All right. So how do I not curse these people out? I mm -hmm. put myself into a yoga practice and was able to hold space for like you talked about light and dark. Um, and I, I'm going to tease that out a little bit more because, you know, no shade on my fam out there in the yoga world that only talk about love and light. But you can't have light without darkness and you can't bypass darkness. Darkness is part of the lived experience and darkness exists like equally in like black communities, indigenous communities, because of the reality of the American experiment. The reality of the American experiment and, you know, translated in the yoga space is that it doesn't make space for black and brown people. It doesn't make space for us. And we, and this is part of the reason that we have practice makes purpose. And like, I've kind of like shot onto the scene is because like, if you don't make space for me, I will take space for we. Like, I don't really need your permission because you're likely not going to give it. So like, even if you give it or not, I will hold space. And like we talked about on the phone, be a steward for all of us. Because yes. I, I'm not a yoga teacher. I'm a yogi that teaches. Yoga is my lifestyle. Like I try and live the yamas and niyamas. Like these beads I pray with, right? For mm -hmm. like, I, I was teaching kids in DC public schools earlier. Let's just say that the second this interview wraps, I will be devoting all of my prayer time to the <laughs> kids, right? But like, you know, I use yoga as a tool, a functional tool and sacred art. It is not something that, you know, I post pictures on Instagram with me and splits talking about how mm -hmm. I am, right? Like I talk about trying to be of service to my community. How can I be a better steward of my resources, like finite and infinite? So how can I be a more loving human? And, and that only happened through me using the practice as, as a tool to, to, to basically alchemize adversity, right? So thank you for your share on that. And so I was wondering if you could tell us a little bit more, because we talked about this earlier, um, 
how do how do we tell the full story in I would say in yoga world because yoga yoga folks bless y'all people don't want to talk about what's real you know what I mean like lynching of black yeah. men is real like residential schools and like trying to like like whitewash like native communities is real and so how do we bring this level of reality into our our our, our worlds. Um, even if people get offended. So how do you deal with that? And, and what are some of your thoughts about that? That is a very good question. And I'm still figuring out how to navigate that. <laughs> um, a lot of times, you know, I think in terms of just understanding history, because like, if you don't know where you come from, where, you know, what's going on, like to get you to this point, you're not going to know really where you're going to go because you need that clear path of understanding. So mistakes aren't repeated, treatment of people isn't replicated. And I feel like that's one way where we can start is just having these conversations, having this curiosity to understand that, you know, this country was not founded. I mean, it was colonized. And what does that mean? And I think that's something that a lot of people don't want to acknowledge, like, oh, it was in the past. I don't have to worry about it. I'm here now. I can change things. No, it starts with examining where we came from, what the true history was. And, you know, in terms of talking about residential schools, that's been very heavy on my heart. Um, my parents, a lot of my family, extended family, even cousins, they went to boarding schools, you know, and thankfully they weren't necessarily taken away from their families, but they experienced what it's like to go to a place where you can't speak your language, you're your hair gets cut, you're put in a totally different dress, you're put into this new way of life to be assimilated, for what? <laughs> you know, to destroy the culture that you came from, to erase every single piece of, you know, who you are and your identity, so that way it, it, it doesn't work, because there's always that seed inside of you, that deep connection to something bigger that is always going to prevail. And I feel like right now, you know, with learning about residential schools, with learning about all of these um, unmarked graves, like that has been happening, <laughs> you know, for hundreds of years. And the fact that, you know, recently it's become more to light, I think that is part of that unearthing that learning the history of what is really the truth of how we were created. And I think if more people can understand, okay, if I'm living in Ohio, you know, for instance, where, like, who are the people who are here, who stewarded this land before? And, you know, starting to engage in conversations of acknowledging, um, you know, those indigenous people, those native tribes there, and then learning, like, what happened to them? Where did they go? Because, you know, coming from New Mexico, from the Southwest, this is a very rich cultural um, place within the country that still has, you know, even though there's reservations, Pueblos that have existed for however long. And you don't see that on the East Coast. You don't see that in a lot of parts of the country. And, you know, I've had conversations with um, people from the East Coast asking, like, what is it like, you know, like on a reservation? Is it still teepees? And, you know, I remember being in a third grade and I had uh, my teacher, Mrs. Trent, was from Pennsylvania. And we had a pen pal exchange program. Mm -hmm. And my pen pal, his name was Stephen House, asked me if I lived in a teepee, if we had electricity and running water. And this is 1988. 
So even then, back in the 80s, like that education, it's like, oh, it's the wild, wild west. You know, it's still right. uncivilized. It, you know, savages are still there. But I think part of that history is, you know, educating yourself. And I know that can seem intimidating at times, but really that's how we learn. You know, if you have any interest in picking up a new recipe, you're not just going to be like, well, what do I do? You're going to look up a recipe. You're going to get a cookbook. So I feel like that same approach can apply to educating yourself about the true history, about even, you know, the community that may have existed where you currently live right now. Because, I mean, all of North America, you know, if we look up to Canada, you know, First Nations, North America, down into South America. I mean, there were so many indigenous people, native people who lived across these continents. So. And I, I love what you said. And, you know, something came to me like when you were when you were like articulating so eloquent what you just did, like you said, a deep connection will prevail. We just have to find it and seek it. Um, like People may try and lie to. Yeah thing but the deep connection will eventually prevail and manifest itself you know to me that's a metaphor for life right like there is something within each of us that is connected absolutely but to the deep truth of who you really are and so when you do the work of figuring out who you really are which is what i'm hopeful that the nation will do but the reason that i'm blessed by yoga is that like i've done my best to dig deep to find who i really am and not like who society says I am or who so-and-so thinks I should be or those sorts of things. Finding out the truth, warts and all, then from that truth, being a better steward of love, compassion, grace, service, healing. But I've only been able to do that because like I sought that deep truth that everyone, you know, just, you know, you're an angry black man, you're this, you're this. I'm actually a pretty loving dude, um, but you keep telling me I'm not worth shit. And so- What do you expect? Yeah. Right, so that's why I get angry and that's why I do all these other things, right? So- um, Like you're mirroring that energy. You're just right. matching what you're being presented with. Right. And me, so I hate myself, but I don't know better. And, but you know, when we know better, we try and do better. And so like, I, I wanna go back to what you said earlier with respect to the being in a, interesting or crappy life situation been practicing and continue to practice because the name of this um program is practice makes purpose right so you beautifully illustrate that so in a situation <laughs> where you really didn't have many other outlets you consistently practiced and little did you know what yoga was going to do for you and with you so tell me a little bit more about the fruits of yes you know you lost your mother yes you went through a divorce and these sorts of things but what are some of the fruits of that of that adversity that you now not only have as a practitioner but now as a teacher Ooh, it, it just makes me think of like what we talked about again going into that internal darkness and i feel that's what i did and i continue to do because it's not something that ever just goes away and all of a sudden oh i've put three months in and Everything? It's all light. No, it's it's not. I mean, I know so, so many people wish that it was just this like quick fix. But I really feel, you know, those times, even though they were really hard, it, it just showed that, and I hope this doesn't sound cliche, but I'm stronger than I think I am. And there are still untapped reserves that I have not yet accessed. And I find myself in situations where okay, I, I, I there's that voice going back to that seed of truth that yeah. that that piece of me that is getting louder. And as it gets louder, okay, well, let me start listening to it. 
let me give it the attention, the loving. It's almost as if I've had to fully reparent myself. And it's like, mm. it's not perfect, <laughs> you know? And it's like, oh man, I have to like feed myself. I have, you know, all the things that <laughs> you can do. Yeah, right? And it's like, oh, I'll just eat oatmeal. No, <laughs> like I can nourish my body. I can take care of myself. Not that oatmeal is bad. Um, but, <laughs> you know, it's like, I feel like I've learned that there is this sense this sense of resiliency inside me and it's one foot in front of the other it's listening to that internal voice and trusting and knowing that you have that that knowledge and understanding and that truth exists inside of you and i think so many of us you know are told who we should be what we should be doing all these shoulds and we don't give ourselves enough credit to really trust that instinct that we have the answers inside. So this practice has given me the strength to come into my voice and to speak up because there were times previously in my life where I, you know, felt that I wasn't worthy or that, you know, even being, you know, Native American coming from, you know, where Isleta, that I wasn't worthy or I didn't have the same opportunities. But then I remember things that like my mom would say is like, Christy, you have every goddamn right to do anything and everything you want in your life and you can do it. It doesn't matter. I mean, yes, it's, yes, you came from a strong family, but even outside of that, you have all of those same opportunities. And I want people to realize that that that's for everybody. You know, it's this gift that we have inside of us that we don't always tap because we're so, you know, numb, or we don't want to wake up, or we don't want to put in the work, because putting in the work requires self-examination, it requires you being honest, and you might not like what you see. Right. But you have the chance and the choices to create something that you, you get to create your own existence, you know, and I think that's another thing, too, that this practice has taught me is that I can have you know, anxiety or all of these thoughts or just these things that, you know, can cloud my mind. But if I can come back to that sense of home, that sense of, okay, I am whole within myself, I am worthy, then I feel it, I can kind of clear away all of that bullshit and just come back to me. Um, because so much of it, I feel you know, I, I still get anxious. I still get nervous about speaking up. Am I saying the right thing? Am I going to offend somebody? And it's like, you know what? Who who cares? It's it's me. Like, and if you don't agree with me. <laughs> right. <laughs> totally. Yeah. But right. really, it's been this sense of trusting myself, listening to that inner voice, knowing I'm stronger than I think. And just that, you know, my thoughts don't have to control me. And that, that idea of mindfulness of coming back to my thoughts can really shape my reality and that I am this true maker of what is in front of me. So that's, yeah. a, that's a big piece of what I've learned. Thing that you said, especially the sense of resilience piece. So we're, we're near the end of our time together. This has been delightful. See, it, like a half hour blows away, right? Dude, like, it went by so fast. Right? <laughs> I told you, like, I never met a stranger, number one, and like for whatever reason, like I, I'm, I was super shy as a kid. Like once I got over the shyness, I haven't stopped talking. Right. Yes. So, right. So two, five, five. and then we'll, um, then then we'll wrap. Is like, how can the yoga industry writ large do better 
about um, being of service or aware of Native communities, right? So that's my first question. And two is like, what are any parting thoughts that you have just in general about your practice, your life in this moment? I think one thing that we can do is encourage yoga as a form of healing and not necessarily it being this exercise fad or to this thing that is just a physical practice. And I think if you can offer that space, I mean, I also think it's like getting more non-white teachers out there, hiring more non-white teachers, um, you know, having a diversity of teachers, I think will show people, oh, they look like me. So I know I can do this. I had one student tell me that the reason why she loved coming to my classes is because we looked alike. And that was the, I was like, dang, I had never thought of that. And then I thought, wow. I mean, I even thought I couldn't be a yoga teacher because all of my teachers had been white up until I took my yoga teacher training. Word. And, you know, I didn't know that that was a reality for me. So I would say, yes, yoga studios, hire more black teachers, more indigenous teachers, and even just having it accessible for like places where you wouldn't necessarily put a yoga studio, you know, like thinking outside of that box. It doesn't have to be this model where memberships are this exorbitant amount. You have to wear Lululemon and only the elite can afford it. And I think if we can make yoga more accessible, um, even free, and just provide ways for people to connect to themselves, even if it's breathing and just sitting, I think that's one great way um, that we can encompass it. I also really wanna start working with more indigenous communities. And I've been trying to reach out to see what ways that we can connect. And I've done some work with some organizations in New Mexico and even here locally in Denver, but I think there's that broader aspect. You don't see a lot of uh, native or indigenous yoga teachers. I can think of, you know, I have a couple friends, but then outside of that, I can think of 10, but I know there's more out there. So how do we uplift those voices? You know, I think it's also through social media, uh, promoting them, sharing them, you know, just, you know, trying new things and searching for that, I think would be one way. Um, and then also just, you know, continuing to seek out those people who look different from you and really creating connections and starting conversations, I think is a way to learn. Um, and then I think your other question was, Closing oh, closing thoughts. Um, yeah, I, you, I'm just... for you as practitioner, what's on your heart now? And how can we be better? According to you? So use this as like, if you were to give a closing Dharma, um, or like 90 seconds to a, a like, what do you got for us? Closing Dharma? I would say then, uh, oh, this is a, this is a nice one. Um, yeah. <laughs> you know, just knowing that you can help change the world no matter how small and do not diminish your own light. If you are afraid to speak, I think that is really when you need to be speaking because there is something inside of you that needs to get out and your heart's probably beating and you're like, Oh my God, I'm scared. I'm nervous. I'm anxious. Ah, say it because who gives a fuck if it, it's going to land for somebody. And if you can model that for somebody else who might be afraid to speak up, then I think that just shows you have courage 
you are tenacious and you can inspire others through that. And I feel like that's really going to be the way that we collectively change this world is if we unite, we listen to each other, we hold space and we respect one another, you know, like ultimately that's what it comes down to. I want to be true. We never know where everybody is coming from. Um, that was another thing my grandpa always told me. You never know who you're talking to. So I think just keeping that mindfully of, you know, I don't want to say you always have to have your guard up, but just being open to experiences, but also knowing that you don't know where people are coming from. And I think if we can access our own healing, it'll just ripple out and help others. I would say this, um, it's a simple statement, but it's true. Like healed people heal people. Yes. People hurt people. Mm-hmm. And it may not be intentional, but like if you're carrying around something, um, then you that's the lens through which you view the world. So no, I appreciate what you said. I appreciate our time together. Um, and so if, how, how do people find, so if people wanna stay in touch with you or reach out to you, how do people find you? Tell us how to get like, put it in the comments or just let us know how to keep in touch with you. Yeah, you can keep in touch with me um, via Instagram. My Instagram name is christy.drishti, you know, I've, trying to honor, you know, yoga roots by, you know, saying like, we all have this horizon in front of us. Um, I'm also working with an awesome graphic designer locally from Laguna Pueblo, um, Hotzi Designs, and we're coming up with some really amazing things that I'm gonna feature uh, for my workshop series. We are uh, still here. And then I also do a Zia Medicine Wheel. Um, so look, look out for those workshops. I wanna start a newsletter. I just haven't devoted some time to doing that. Um, and then, yeah, I'm gonna make a website. So um, I'm actually gonna be hosting a We Are Still Here class on July 31st um, to help support, you know, survivors of the residential school experience. So I'll be posting about that in um, on my Instagram. I have a post coming up, but yeah, um, follow me on Instagram for right now. But outside of that, um, I would love to get to know you. And uh, yeah, that, that's where I am right now. It's my main my main way of communicating with the world. Well, please let me know about your. Oh, your we're still here, and I'll put that out in my world because like that. Thank you a Juneteenth class that blew people's minds, right? Because I was like, we need to figure out yes. better service to one another. So like, please let me know how we can support you there, like me personally, and then okay, I'll- Okay, I will. Thank you. Yeah, that's, that's what I really want to promote is that we are still here and finding indigenous communities where I can, you know, help them learn, you know, they have these tools inside, it's just accessing them. Like I'm doing some local work with, um, Spirit of the Sun, you know, they're a local indigenous nonprofit here in Denver, and I've been working with their vistas. So I, I, I can see the shift and the change, even if it's just like a, oh, wow, I'm in, I get to control my breathing, you know, something as simple as that. And that that's, that's all the, the, that that's the start. Yes. Right? When people are like, I don't have to be no, you can be spacious level. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So why don't you lead us in a, cl a closing breathing exercise that I will ring this three Ooh. times and then we're done. Cool? Okay. Okay. So everyone just wherever you are, sit up nice and tall. Let your hands rest on your heart. Begin to breathe in, letting your breath fill your hands. Inhale together. Exhale, let it go. Think about how you want to feel in this moment. Breathe it in. 
Let it permeate every cell in your body, filling you up. Exhale, send it out. And for this next breath, think of somebody who might need a little bit of support. Breathe in. Send that out to them. And may we also acknowledge all those who have come before us, all those yet to come, and where we are now. Okay. And on that note, keep your tall spine, eyes closed or soft. And as this bell tolls, think about how you can be a blessing to someone today and tomorrow and beyond. Three times, then we're done. Blessing and gratitude to you, Christy. Blessings to all who watch this live or later. Thank you for tuning in to episode five. We'll be back next week. Practice makes purpose over and out.